0: Psalm 139, as Adam mentioned, we're in um, a series of omnis. Uh, We've gone through uh, omniscience. God is Um, all-knowing. Omnipotent, God is all-powerful. And today we're gonna be looking at the uh, omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. So Psalm 139, we're gonna read through verse 18 and then finish with 23 and 24. If you'll direct your eyes and hearts towards God's word. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Down to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So reading of God's word, let's pray with me once more. Gracious Heavenly Father, it's a humbling thing to think of your presence being with us, even now when two or three are gathered together in your name, you're with us. So we um, pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would draw near, especially that we could feel your presence, we could taste and see it, and we would exult in it, and we come away all the more desiring to live a life full of the presence of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So my wife and I have four children, as many of you know, and uh, I love getting home from work. I love getting home to the, uh, them all wanting to do, you know, to be with me. Uh, one wants to um, go play, shoot basketball. One wants to uh, have tickle fights. One wants to play with a toy. One wants to sit and talk. I often feel like I don't have enough time um, to be with them all uh, before dinner time. I f- sometimes go away feeling there's, there's never enough time. But I got, um, I had a birthday a couple of weeks ago and I got these cards from them. And it was, it just filled my heart because, uh, you know, I would open them up and it would say things like, daddy, I love it. You know, I love it so much when we, when we play this or, or do that. Um, and it's just packed with exclamation points. <laughs> um, and in the midst of my, my imperfect effort, it, it made me feel how my presence in their life brings them so much joy. One time, a third grade teacher gave a Christian therapist these letters by two of the third grade students. And one of the, the students uh, got, wrote this letter to her daddy. Dear Dad, I I love it when you take me on dates. I love it when you play baseball with me, miniature golf with me, and watch movies with me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) I like it when you tell jokes to me. I like it when you hug me and kiss me. Daddy, I love you so much. Doesn't that just warm your heart when you get a a note like that? Um, Just four seats away, one of the other letters from this third grader went like this. Dear Daddy, I love you so much. When are you going to come see me again? I miss you very much. I love it when you take me to the pool. When, I'm, when am I going to spend the night at your house? Have you ever seen my house before? I want to see what your house looks like. Do you? When am I going to get to see you again? I love you, Daddy can feel it, right? Just as children have an inner longing to experience the joy of being in the presence of their father, so we all have an inner longing to experience the presence of God as our father and then have it result in joy, to have joy in his presence. So we're going to talk about God's presence today like that. We're going to look at the extent of God's presence and then the distance of God's presence and then end with the joy of God's presence. So look, we're gonna start with the extent of God's presence. So verse seven, if you'll look with me in, the, in your uh, Bible, David asks this question. Where can I flee from your presence? Where shall I, or from your spirit, where shall I flee from your presence? David's pondering this theological concept uh, called God's omnipresence. So God doesn't have a spirit like uh, God doesn't have a body like we do. He's spirit, right? Um, he doesn't have a size or spatial dimension like our houses do. Our houses have, um, you know, a square footage. It might be 2,000 square feet and your, your, your lot size is 0.6 of a lot. It has spatial dimension, but God cannot be measured or contained. We and everything else in our lives um, are present in one place in time, but God is present at every point of space, At all times. After King Solomon built the temple around 950 BC, he wrote this in his prayer, or he prayed this. He said, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens and the highest of heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I've built. You ever heard someone say a careless word, maybe in church, um, and say something like, oh, I'm sorry, this is the Lord's house. As if God's any less present 10 feet outside of the church or in their home when no one's around. God says about himself in the book of Jeremiah, he says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? when he says fills the heaven and the earth you shouldn't think of fills like water fills a swimming pool where some molecules of the water fill the the shallow end and some the deep end they all spread out no god is not like that he doesn't divide and conquer all spaces at all times listen god is fully present with his whole being in all places throughout all of eternity Everywhere, at every time, he's wholly in and all in there. As the, as the theologian A.W. Tozer said, he said it like this, God being infinite does not dwell in space. He swallows up space. God fills heaven and earth just like the ocean fills a bucket which has been submerged in it a mile down. Heaven and earth are submerged in God and all space too. God is not contained. God is contains Have you ever had someone accuse you of saying something like I feel like you know you're just not all here with me right now um like your spouse saying you know your body's here but your mind seems like it's on the game that's uh, gonna be on later this afternoon um or maybe at work or you know whatever and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about other spouses here not myself that's that's never happened to me um just as much as God is wholly present on the furthest uh, star we've ever measured, which is like 13 um, billion light years away, God is just as much present at the same time with the 85-year-old uh, man in Japan that's going through back surgery, or the 7 year old girl in Afghanistan who lost their parent, or the 30-year-old uh, mother who's just overwhelmed with raising little kids. And this is mind-boggling, right, in one sense. But to David in the psalm, the omnipresence of God, it's very personal. It's not just out there. It's very personal. He says in verse 1 through 3, he says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You search out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all of my ways. God's presence is not everywhere in just some kind of theological way for David. No, God's presence with David was with him in a, a very personal way. He feels the nearness of God, almost like a friend, a best friend that's always around, who really understands him and gets him. In verse 13 and 15, he says, God's presence was with him when he was born. He was intimately acquainted with him, even in his mother's womb. And in verse eight, he says that he's with, he will be with him in Sheol, which is the place of death, even there, whether I ascend to heaven or descend to Sheol, God, you are with me there. So in one sense, just pause and think of your life like, like you're on a path. And on this path, let's just say, you know, you've been walking this path of life, uh, this trail, and, and, and there's, there's all kinds of bends and turns that you've gone through. There's valleys and, and hills and um, you know, ups and downs of life. And, and, and there's, there's, you know, you can't see everything in the past, but you have those memories as it's wound around and up and down. And you're walking this path in the present and there's some kind of unknown future of this path for all of us. But imagine God is up on kind of a mountain and he's looking down and he can see the whole path of your life. And he knows every aspect of it. All at one time. Now that would actually be speaking of God's omniscience. But now... Imagine that he's actually with you. He's all present on the whole path of your life at one time as well, swallowing up all moments and times of your life, past, present, and future. Your whole life is utterly submerged in God's presence. And wasn't this always the plan from the beginning, right? God didn't didn't just create man and woman and put them in a garden and he said, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll come visit you every now and then. No. The intention was always to put him in the presence, or put him in the garden so he, he could dwell with them, so he would be with them, so he could be their God, and he would be their people. He would walk with them and talk with them, whether they're working in the garden, singing, or you know, throwing catch with a mango. <laughs> His intention was to be with us. So just as a child's greatest moments of joy are found as it's swallowed up with tickle fights with dad or making cookies with mom or with us, walking with a best friend or a spouse who really knows you, who's acquainted with all your ways, knows you better than anyone else, so our hearts were meant to be filled with the joy of being in the presence of God, fully known and enjoyed by God. David said this in Psalm 1611. He says, you've made known to me the path of life, in your presence is fullness of joy. In Psalm 21 he says, "You make him glad with the joy of his presence." Now with all that said, we unfortunately the unfortunate reality is we don't always feel that. Uh, this might just be some theological concept for you. You might be sitting there saying, that sounds great, but I, I've, maybe I've, I've never felt the presence of God like that. And so let's talk about the distance of God's presence and deal with that reality. I'm sure almost every adult and even child can relate with the, the reality of being in the physical presence of someone, but at the same time, you feel that there's a lot of relational distance between you. You know what I mean? Um, you know, kids, so, <clears throat> some of you may have um, um, kids at school that sit near you, and, um, and you feel like they don't like you, or they don't play with you, and you feel distance. I think most of us as adults have um, people we work with or live with that are, we're in their presence a lot, but at the same time, we feel like they're just so far away. And the hardest cases are when this, when this is with a parent with a child, a child with a parent Or especially when there's a spouse, you sleep a few feet away, but emotionally and relationally you feel like they're a thousand miles away. We all can relate with being in the physical presence of someone and yet relationally a thousand miles away. And so I feel like some of us can relate with feeling like I've known about God a lot of my life. Uh, I know a lot about him, but I still feel like the presence of God, you talking about that, I feel like he's a thousand miles away. There's many reasons why you might not feel God's presence, and I just want to talk maybe about two of them. And a large one is when you're going through suffering. When you're going through trials. David felt God's nearness here in Psalm 139, but in Psalm 30, uh, Psalm 22, he was suffering, and he cries out. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. Psalm 13, he raises the question of how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That word face there, it's the same word translated in Psalm 139 as presence, which is throughout the Old Testament. Presence means the face of God. He doesn't feel it. As if he's forgotten and alone, God's presence, his face feels like it's a thousand miles away. Job felt this. He's a righteous man and felt the presence of God until God allowed suffering in his life, and he wrote in Psalm or in Job twenty-three, he says, "Oh that I knew where I might find him! Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, I don't, do not perceive him." C.S. Lewis, most of you know, he's famous for famous Christian for writing the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, He spoke so much on joy, the presence of joy, and even the presence of God bringing you joy. And then, and then one day, his wife of four years got cancer and she passed away. And he wrote a book called A Grief Observed. And in that book, he wrote this Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms when you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate and all other help is vain. What do you find? A door slammed in your face, a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. And that seemed, seeming was so, as strong as this. What can this mean? Why is he so present as a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent in a help in our time of trouble? So absent in our time of trouble. So honest, right? And isn't that Helpful. When you feel like you are going through real, something really hard and you're like, where, where, where is God? You feel so far away. Have you felt this? I do feel like suffering is one reason some of us have felt distance in the presence of God. Whether it's physical suffering, a loss of a loved one, or just plain loneliness, right? Which is such an epidemic of our day. So many people live in the midst of, on social media and everything else, in the presence of other people, and yet so lonely, And you wonder, where is God's presence? Sometimes we don't um, feel God's presence when we want to, but if we look deeper inside of us, you know, uh, when we think about the presence of God, we don't even want the presence of God in our lives. It seems David might feel this here in Psalm 139, because think about this. You know, he, he starts to ponder, okay, God, you discern all my thoughts from afar. Okay, God, you're acquainted with all my ways. You know every word before it's on my tongue. And so in verse five, you can almost imagine how he says this. He says, I'm, I feel as if you've hemmed me in and your hand is upon me, which is usually used for something that feels heavy upon me. It points to the reality of almost as like God, for him, is um, examining him as a judge. And it, it points to this reality of Genesis 3. when God told Adam, Adam and Eve that, if you disobey, there were, the punishment will be death." And it didn't mean physical death, it meant spiritual separation from the presence of God. And this is why they ended up when God walked in their presence, He came into the garden. What did they do? They hid. And then he removed them from the garden, which was their presence, the presence of God. Oh, sure, God was 10 feet outside of the garden, right? He's still there in one sense, but it was no longer the presence of his love and his favor. Now it's the presence of his just judgment against their sin. It leads us to the second reason we feel separation. It's just our sin, Isaiah 59, too captures this reality when it says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face or presence from you so that he does not hear. God is holy, which means he is set apart from every one and everything that is unholy. And if you and I have an ounce of honesty about our inmost thoughts, our inmost heart and the words of our mouth, then we would be honest that we should be separated from that which is holy. This means in one way we are created to experience joy in God's presence. We long for it, but at the same time, sometimes we don't feel his presence. We feel guilt and shame and we hide. We feel indifference towards God in his presence. We feel like finding joy in everything else except God's presence. It's all because of sin. Same is true in our relationships with others. We want to experience joy in the presence of friends and spouses and and our children, but we find sin is there as well. It brings guilt. It It causes us to hide. We're constantly doing this. I I want you to come near me. I want you to know me. I'm created for you to find joy in my presence. And at the same time, don't come near me. I I I don't want you to know all of me. I don't know, I don't want you to know that. I want you to come. Don't don't come. Don't come near. We guard ourselves. Um, we hide and guarding ourselves leads to doing things like pretending. We go around just pretending. We pretend we're better than than we really are. We portray our best selves, right? We do this all over the place, especially places like social media and church on Sunday morning. Sometimes we feel the need to do this. It just was Christmas time. We feel like we need to do it with our Christmas cards. Did y'all do this on your Christmas card this year? Portray your best self. Never done that, Right? We've done it before, here's our Christmas card. Now, by the looks of us, I know you think, oh, this was last year's Christmas card, right? (laughs) This was actually 2013, okay? Now, uh, this is a picture of our Christmas card that we sent out to people, and this is a picture of our photo shoot from that Christmas card. (laughs) And, And after a thousand pictures, We came up with the one that we sent out to everybody. (laughs) Is not this real life, day in and day out? If we're honest, there's so much of our lives that we don't want examined by others, much less God. And just as every corrupt business fears the presence of an IRS auditor, So all of us should fear the examining presence of a holy and just God who knows us. Psalm 98 says, God says that he has set our iniquities before him, our secret sins in the light of his presence. And Hebrews 4 tells us that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of to whom we must give an account. Listen, you cannot escape the presence of God. God is always with you when you sin. Whether it forms into an action or it stays as a thought or motivation of your heart. Even in death, if one ultimately tries to escape the presence of God and live for themselves, you'll find even then you cannot escape God's terrible presence, void of all his Love and favor; it will just be the presence of his judgment. One of our favorite books we read to our children is called "The Happy Lion." Um, the story is about a lion that's in a zoo, a zoo behind this cage, and everybody in town walks by this lion all the time. And the setting is in France. And as they walk by this happy lion, they say "Bonjour, Happy Lion," and the lion says "Bonjour." And one day, uh, the zookeeper kept the gate, left the gate open on accident. And the, the lion decided he'd take a stroll through the city. And all these people who were so nice to him in, in, um, in the, in, while he was in his cage, all of a sudden start running away from him. Start running away from his presence. All except one boy named Francois. He was the zookeeper's son. See, Francois... He knew this lion differently. And this lion loved Francois. And so when Francois was on his way home from school and he saw the lion, he didn't run away from him. He actually ran to him, to this lion. And they walked joyfully together back to the zoo. The Bible says that one day Jesus will come as a lion and it really matters how you know him. A theologian named Herman Bavink once said about this reality, about God knowing all our sin, he said this, when you wish to do something evil, you retire from the public into your house where no enemy may see you. You remove yourself into your room, even your room. You fear some witness. You retire into your heart. There you resolve. Wherever therefore you shall have fled, there he is. There is no place where you may flee from God angry, but to, to God reconciled. There is no place at all where you may flee. Where will you flee from him? Flee unto him. See, in our suffering, we often don't feel God. In our sin, we don't want to feel God's presence. So if we ask David in verse seven, where shall we flee from the presence of God? Where shall we flee from the presence of God? The answer is this, flee unto him. Let's look at the last point, joy in the presence of God. Because the answer to your question is, why would we flee to a God who sees every sin, every part of your life, and the whole path of your life? And the answer is simply this. It's because the whole story of the Bible is about a God who flees toward you. This is so counterintuitive when sin separates us from God's presence and yet we see like a father that's running towards a house, a burning house with his children inside. So throughout the whole story of scripture, we see a God who's constantly running towards sinners to rescue them and bring them back into his presence. We see this in, in, um, in Egypt when he's running towards his enslaved people and he's constantly promising them, he says um, to Abraham, Moses, everyone after them. he says, my desire is that I be with you And we see God's promise to his people in Isaiah's day that one day a child would be born 700 years before Christ. His name would not only be Mighty God, but it would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years later, the presence of God takes flesh, takes on flesh, and then he fled towards friendship with with sinners like you and me, Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, said this about the Gospels. He says, a cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct, his heart, his longing is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Do you have that view of God? Jesus then fled toward a cross where God would put all of our unholiness on his son. And the line of judgment would become the lamb of sacrifice. And he, God himself, the son, would experience separation from his father. the Separation that we deserved as he cried out, my God, why are you forsaking me? Of course, he knew the answer. It'd be so that everyone who believes in him for, would be brought back into God's presence and have the assurance of it for eternity. As 1 Peter three eighteen says, God, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us back to God. Or as the old hymn says it, and I would sing it if I had Adam Jones' voice, by the way. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch, his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, not from us, but from his son, as wounds that mar the chosen one bring many sons and daughters and members of the seven rivers to glory. How deep the Father's love for you and me. And so if you're a Christian, this means you are united to Christ. And it means that you have the same right to the presence of God and his love and favor as Jesus himself does. Jesus prays this in John 17. Jesus actually says, I in them, you in me, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You can't get any more in the presence of God than being in Jesus. John 14 says, the Father and Son have made their home with us. So when it comes to thinking about our sin or failures, if those come to mind on your path, whether in the past or present or future, God wants you to think that you know, God was with you, his presence was there when you did that in the past, and when you did that in the present last week, and when you did that in the future, but he was also at the same time the presence of God was with Jesus on the cross. And and, and, and before the foundation of the world, when he chose to make you a wretch, his treasure, he was all there, all in. Because he wanted to make you his treasure. And Bring you into His presence. Romans eight says nothing can separate from you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Neither neither death nor life, neither things in the present nor things to come. Listen to how Dane Ortland challenges us to think of God and gentle and lowly. He says, if you're a part of Christ in His body, then your sins invoke God's deepest heart. Not his wrath, his compassion and pity. He takes part with you. That is, he's on your side. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. We understand this when we consider hatred of a father has against a terrible disease affecting his child. The father hates the disease while loving the child. How sweet it is to think of God like this. Because I think we're so prone to think of God who distances himself when we fail him or just when we ignore him or whatever. And God wants you to think if you are in Christ, it doesn't matter how much your faith is, if your faith is in Christ, he's a God who, he, he just, he loves to be in your presence. He delights in you. The heart of Christ is drawn out to you even in your sin. And maybe especially in your sin. And if God seems so distant because of the darkness of suffering, as David experiences. He reminds us in verse 12 that even your darkness is not dark to God. God is with you there. In Psalm 23, he reminds us, even in the valley of the shadow of death, he says, you are with me, right? Psalm 1017, he says, God hears the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their hearts and you will incline your ear to them. You know what that word incline means? It means, have you ever had somebody do the opposite of, you know, be in your presence but not see, but you have their complete attentiveness. attentiveness. That's what that word means. God inclines his ear. He's just drawn near. His ear is like, "What, what, what are you crying out? I want to hear. I want to understand. I want to be with you. And so J. Oswald Sanders summarized this by just saying this. True peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. True peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. So listen, God says to you, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Our paths are filled up with all kinds of things in life, right? Sports, Uh, we've had several soccer games this weekend. Um, Work, um, retirement, things in retirement, normal, everyday, common things, But God wants you to know that whatever you do and wherever you go, he wants your everyday moments to be filled with joy, the joy in his presence. A man uh, about uh, several centuries ago wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God and I think he summarizes this in a quote and I'll just leave you with this encouragement. In your everyday moments, he said, the most holy and important practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. That is every moment to take great pleasure that God is with you. If your faith is in Christ, will you take this day to believe and to take great pleasure that His presence is with you? Let's pray. Our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're not only the lion of Judah in judgment, but you, were, you came as the sacrificial lamb. Because you love and delight in being in our presence. And I pray, Father, for those who are suffering or overwhelmed with sin or whatever the means or just even indifferent. And some, for some, it might be for the first time in their lives. They say, I've never felt the presence of God, but that's what I want. Because nothing else would satisfy my heart. I pray, Lord, that they would receive Christ this morning. And for all of us, Lord, I, would, I pray that we would leave with a sense that this is what I was created for, to live in the presence of God and find joy in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.